Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Highlight Reel. It's your boy Lalo, the smooth one, the head honcho of the rancho, baby. Coming at you in full effect, right after work, busting my ass, slanging them packages, but still got time to flap my gums about the things I love because it is AEW Dynamite. First ever review for this show. I gotta say, man. You know, when I review Monday Night Raw, it's very simple. It's very easy. Because it's such a shitty show, I could kind of just scheme on through, man. And just see, you know, oh, there's nothing to write home about. And move on to the next segment. But AEW Dynamite, it's like a, it's like a novel. It's like a book. Every single promo and match on this show has many facets. It has meaning. It has... You know, this is true storytelling to the core. This is professional wrestling, AEW Dynamite. So I'm going to do my best to give you the scoop, man. I'm not going to go super in-depth. You know how I do it, man. I just, you know, I just babble, man. I just flap my gums. I have very little notes here. Um, I can't give you every single spot of all the matches, all the spots, you know. But I'm going to do my best to talk that shit, man, and, and hope you like it and... You know, hopefully um, you gain something from this review, man. Because AEW, I believe, to be the superior brand to WWE. Far and wide. Far and wide, really. So let's get into it. The show opened up with a full recap of Full Gear. Phenomenal pay-per-view. Um, you know, video, the video package was on point. The show opened with the, the theme song and the pyro. The fans in Nashville, Tennessee were hot. They were wild. Um, at least... And at this point of the show, um, they kind of seem to die down, though, a little bit later on. I'll, I'll get on that later. But um, nonetheless, we also got an in-depth look at the backstage fallout from the Omega-Ambrose matchup. You know, Kenny Omega, it's already been said that he's going to be on the shelf for a little bit. I'm not sure exactly how long. They haven't elaborated on that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they have. But nonetheless, you know, there's like a candid footage of Kenny Omega talking to a doctor a, a backstage physician after his lights out unsanctioned match with John Moxley and um yeah man um by the way I, I think I might have referred to <laughs> John Moxley as Dean Ambrose I that's gonna happen a lot y'all that's gonna happen a lot I'm sorry I still kind of know him as Dean Ambrose unfortunately um, you know, I wish I had that device, the men in black had where they erase your memory, you know, as WWE just is terrible. Um, but nonetheless, man, yeah, uh, Ma uh, Kenny Omega was talking to the physician. He said, what about, you know, and, and the, the physician said, yeah, he's, he's pretty beat up. But he's, he's been cleared. And then, uh, and Omega kind of looks disgruntled by that, you know, like he, like perhaps, you know, Moxley is the superior male, the superior alpha male that he went through that dragged down, beat him up, absolute brutal matchup, and yet he's relatively unscathed. You know, he's clear to compete. And speaking of which, he does. He opens the show the very first match. John Moxley comes out to an awaiting Michael Nakazawa. Now, I don't know much about Michael Nakazawa, but this was basically a, a squash match in essence. You know, the match ended in about three minutes flat or less. Um, you know, you know, nothing to write home about. Moxley hit his finisher and um, he grabbed the mic after the match. And I like what he said. He says, hey, so that one counts, right? 
you know, he was referring to the win-loss record, you know, since his match with Omega doesn't count on his record. Um, but nonetheless, um, he proclaims that Kenny Omega will never be the same again. And the, the crowd was on fire, man. They were, they were lit for John Moxley. He set out on a mission to scorch the earth with AEW. He claims no one will ever fight him. So basically uh, putting out an open challenge to anybody from all over to take him on. And um, we'll see where that goes. Next up, we had the Dark Order taking on Jurassic Express. You know, Jurassic Express is really, really hot, man. They're really over. I mean, and, and I don't know why. And I say that, like, don't get me wrong. They're, they're a dope faction. They're a dope little group. I like the Jurassic Express. But I'm saying I don't know why they're so over because I haven't seen them on previous episodes of Dynamite much I know they appeared on AEW Dark once or twice. Um, I know they were on the the previous AEW pay-per-views, but I haven't seen them making too much noise on Dynamite. And yet, when they came out, the roof was on fire. I mean, the, the people went pretty crazy for Jurassic Express. Um, Marco Stunt. Marco Stunt has been in the headlines lately. Um, as far as social media goes on Twitter, a lot of people criticizing him, saying that he does not belong in the ring, in the squared circle, that he's too small. He's, you know, he looks like a little boy. And he really does, you know, because he's, he's, he's a small guy and he's got those baby boy looking features. You know, he looks like a pubescent child, man, like a 13, 14, 15 year old kid in there, um, which I think adds to his charm, though. You know what I'm saying? I mean... I don't know how to feel about this cat because I, I want to defend him and I want to say I want to agree with Chris Jericho who came out on Twitter and also defended him by saying, you know, hey, once upon a time I was considered a cruiserweight in WCW. Um, look at Rey Mysterio. He, he's just as small, if not smaller than Marco's done and look at everything he's achieved. But I, I got to counter Chris on this because... First of all, you can't compare Marco's stunts to Chris Jericho right off the bat. You just can't do that. Chris Jericho, you know, he may have been a little bit smaller back in the day, but nowhere near the same as Marco Stunt, for one. And two, Chris Jericho has always been a technical wizard in the ring. I mean, Jericho's the kind of guy, it don't matter how small he is, he commands respect in the ring, one way or the other, because he has that technical prowess. And, you know, he could high fly, he could brawl, he does submissions. I mean, he's he's got the full package, so... He would always gain respect, and he was never as small as Marco Stunt. Rey Mysterio, now that one is a, a little f more fair of an example, but Rey Rey wears a lucha mask for one, and two, you know, where, where Rey comes from in the lucha libre world, the, the people there are used to seeing smaller guys mixing it up. It's nothing new. I mean, that even even midgets still wrestle in Mexico. Like, that's still a popular thing, you know, and you don't see that often in the united states anymore but you know seeing little little people wrestle you know i, I excuse me for using midgets i know that ain't pol politically correct but you know um but i gotta say marco stunt was really sloppy in this match as well um he 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 slipped off the rope going for a dive spot at one point although he did regain his footing and was able to execute the spot but also there was a nasty backbreaker spot later on in the match. I, I don't remember. It, it was the bald dude from Dark Order. I don't know their names, y'all. So, you know, I'm sorry about that. But the bald dude, he did a backbreaker on Marco's stunt. 
And Marco's stunt did not take the move correctly, clearly. He landed like on his ribs or his stomach. It almost looked like he was trying to reverse the move, but couldn't shift his body on time. That's my uh, that's my theory. I don't know. I could be dead wrong. But either way, Marco's stunt was very noticeably sloppy in this match. So hey, you know, maybe maybe some of those people that believe he doesn't belong in the ring might have a point. But I don't know. Could be an off day. You know, he's nervous. He's on national TV. He's got something to prove. He's a little guy with fight in him. He wants to show the world what he can do. And um, sometimes speed kills, man. You go in too fast and... You know, you're going to make mistakes. And this was a very fast-paced match. Dark Order would end up picking up the victory. I got to say, I don't know much about these cats, Dark Order. I know in a previous organization, they went by the name Smash Bros, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know much about them, and I never cared about them. But they really, they, they, they really, um, you know, went over in this match. I mean, big time. Not just because they won, but... Their performance was was stellar. They have an awesome finisher. The, that fatality finisher is one of the sickest tag team finishers I've ever seen. Really, it is. Um, you got you got to watch. Look it up. Look up Dark Order Fatality on YouTube. I mean, it's a sick finisher. They picked up the win in the post match. The Creepers, as Excalibur calls them, all the masked goons ringside came into the ring and they kind of cornered Marco's stunt. And um, Dark Order offered Marco's stunt a spot in the Dark Order. You know what I'm saying? And of course, Marco would turn it down. Jungle Boy was was there, you know, repping his boy, and and um, they got jumped. They got jumped. All the Creepers and Dark Order started wailing on them. And then out of nowhere, Luchasaurus made his grand return to AEW Dynamite, man. He came out on the stage. He's a massive dude, man. He plowed through the creepers coming down the ramp. He got in the ring. He did a sick roundhouse kick a la Chuck Norris and took out three goons. I, I gotta say, I gotta say, Luchasaurus might just be one of the most over guys in the company right now. Easily, easily. I mean, notwithstanding Moxley and Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes, but Luchasaurus might be one of the most over guys in the company. I mean, certainly, um, he got one of the loudest of the night easily, easily. I mean, you got to see it. It, it was it was lit. It was really lit. Um, very exciting to see that. He he hugged them after it was all said and done. It looked funny, man, when he, he gave <laughs> Marco Stun and Jungle Boy a big hug. It looked like a, a like a daddy hugging his kids, you know, his, his son and his stepson. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was a nice moment, though. It was really cool, man. We actually had a triple threat match. Um, which was unique, you know. We I don't I don't believe there's ever been a three way match on AEW Dynamite to this point. So this was really cool, man. It was Peter Avalon taking on Sean Spears and Darby Allen. Now I gotta say the Librarians are quickly becoming my most favorite act in in wrestling right now. Honestly, I love I love them. I love their style. I love their gimmick. You know, um, I love how they come out and shush the crowd. You know, shh. I love that. <laughs> I love it. And you know, Darby Allen, he came out on his skateboard. He was lit. Darby Allen himself is a, you know, he's often compared to Jeff Hardy. I don't like that comparison because Jeff Hardy was never 
really like athletic the way Darby Allen is. You know what I'm saying? Jeff Hardy's got that daredevil thing going on, always has. And I could see the comparisons because of the face paint and, and their daredevil ways. But to me, Darby Allen, he's more like a... Well, I would say he's like a cross between Jeff Hardy and Matt Riddle. You know what I'm saying? He's got that daredevil-esque style, swagger of Jeff Hardy, but he's got the sheer athleticism, monstrosity of athleticism, the same that Matt Riddle has. You know what I'm saying? And Matt Riddle and, and Darby Allen might be about the same size, you know? Uh, maybe Matt Riddle's a little more jacked, but nonetheless... Um, Darby Allen really shined in this match, man. He really shined in this match. And, you know, I, w I was disappointed to see my boy Peter Avalon get beat on, man. Because <laughs> I, like I like the librarians, man. You know, the librarian gimmick, Peter Avalon, he, he kind of reminds me of OG Damian Sandow from back in the day. If y'all remember, you know, Damian Sandow, be before he became Ms. Dow, long before he became Ms. Dow, you know, and, and that whole thing as... um. You know, the body double of the Miz or whatever they were going for. Um, long before that, he he had a gimmick where he was a intellectual savior or something along those lines. Some kind of modern day philosopher. Um, you know, I don't know where Damian Sandow is at nowadays. If he's a free agent or not. But AEW, I think, should try to pick him up, man. And, and stick him with the librarians. Because they already have his gimmick, basically. And I'm in the modern day, like a throwback to his old, uh, uh, philosoph you know, philosophical intellectual savior gimmick. I think Damian Sandow would, would be awesome with the librarians. That, that's just my idea. I don't know. But, um, nonetheless, man, um, this match was sick. Darby Allen hit a wicked stunner. You know, not a traditional stunner. He did it, like, from the back. And did a front flip into the stunner. Peter Avalon crushed his Adam's apple on this stunner, dog. I mean it. I mean, he landed right on his neck on, on uh, Darby Allen's shoulder. It looked nasty. Absolutely nasty. And that set up the coffin drop. Bam! Darby Allen is a star. He won the match. He picked up the microphone immediately after the match. And he said, John Moxley, I accept. And... He leaves the ring with his skateboard. Man, I gotta tell you, AEW, they're making money moves, man. They're building superstars here. Um, you know, Darby Allen, I can't wait to see him take on John Moxley. Up next, Nyla Rose. Um, she took on a, a cutie named Danny Jordan. It was a squash match. Um, no comment. No comment. I'm, I'm not even gonna talk about it. It was just a squash match. Nothing to see here, really. Um, then we had Ali in an interview segment with Tony Schiavone. Always good to see Tony back in the pack. You know, Tony is, is awesome, man. He's one of the best commentators in the game. He was, he was missing. He was, he was MIA for the, uh, full gear pay-per-view. So I was very happy to see him back on Dynamite. Um, big ups to Tony Schiavone. He was out there interviewing Ali. Apparently, Ali is like the fourth contender for the women's title she's ranked number four in the women's rankings um i i don't i don't know how because i haven't really seen her competing on on dynamite or anything but um you know good for her i guess but not so good tonight or that last night i should say because then awesome kong came you know out to the ring with uh brandy rhodes and good lord man brandy rhodes that's that's bay Brandy Rhodes is bae. I'm telling you right now. You want to talk about top 10 finest women in wrestling. 
Brandy Rose is in my top 10 easily. She's probably in my top 5 actually. She is she is gorgeous straight up. But yeah, um Awesome Kong and Brandy Rose came out and um this is a continuation of their big character paradigm shift they got going on. Brandy Rhodes kind of creepy looking now. She, oh man, she's sexy as hell. But she, you know, she got that dark kind of vibe about her. You know, looking like a mistress, looking like a gothic maid of some sort. You know, and um, they pulled out that dagger, that same dagger that they used at full gear on Bea Priestley. They pulled it out, they whooped on Allie, and they snipped off a piece of Allie's hair. And I like I like the details here. The camera actually panned in on Awesome Kong where she got the hair strands. And Awesome Kong all bug-eyed. She was bugging out, bruh. She was looking at the hair. And she sniffed the hair. She actually sniffed it before putting her pocket. I love that. That was great. That was so funny. And, and just really, I'm excited to see what Awesome Kong and Brandy Rhodes go from here with this whole... Uh, gimmick they got going on I like it it's something new it's something different it's spicy man I'm feeling it next up we had Chris Jericho in the ring basically gloating about his triumphant victory his triumphant title defense and you best believe he celebrated with a little bit of the bubble and he, he was rocking some slick aviator shades and a flashy blue suit kind of looked like it was you know had all kind of glitter on it you know, he was just gloating for a little while, and then all, all of a sudden, Cody Rhodes' music plays. The lights are out, the fans are going wild, but out comes MJF with a smug look on his face, looking sour, looking bitter, but looking hella, hella full of himself as, you, as per usual. And the crowd was just raining booze. It was a smorgasbord of brews. The crowd chanted, asshole. I gotta tell you, MJF is a full-blown heel, y'all. He is a full-blown heel. You know, nowadays in wrestling, I, I, I often say it. The contemporary heel and babyface disposition is dying. It really is. Because nowadays, the heels get cheered and the babyfaces get booed. And then when the heels finally start turning face, then they end up getting booed like they should have been to begin with. <laughs> you know, it's, it's wild. But MJF is a true, legitimate, bona fide heel. And he's one of the best at, if not the best at it right now in the business. I mean, not, not, not to take away from my boy, Chris Jericho, my all-time fave, my top, you know, he is the GOAT in my opinion. But MJF, man, I could see Jericho passing the torch to MJF at some point. This, this kid is really making some noise, man. But nonetheless, it was an epic exchange. I said it. I said it in my full gear review. Did I not? Go back and listen to my full gear review. I said it. The only dude who could go toe-to-toe with MJF on the mic is Chris Jericho. Bam. Next episode of Dynamite. Chris Jericho and Cody and uh, MJF are in the ring. So, um, Cody was getting it, man. You know, um, MJF and, and Chris Jericho were going back and forth. You know, and um, I forgot what it was. Um, they were saying, who's the biggest jackass in AEW? And they both said, Cody. <laughs> and real smug. And, you know, they were taking a lot of cheap shots, being sarcastic with each other. You know, Jericho actually, he said a line that really got a big pop out of me. Because I remember the match. Jericho was like, you know, you're, you're, you're so much like me, MJF, that I think... Um, your parents got horny one time watching 
watching me beat up on Juventus Guerrera like 25 years ago. <laughs> and your little twerp ass popped out. That got a huge pop out of me. That was a great reference, you know, to his match with with Hoovy uh, the Juice Guerrera, man. And Jer Jericho used to tear it up with all the Lucha guys back in the day, all the cruiserweights in WCW. It was it was good times, good times. And um, MJF stood there looking salty, man, and, you know, kept telling Jericho that, you know, you need me in the inner circle. And Jericho was like, nah, I don't need you. You want to be in the inner circle. And they kept going back and forth with that. That actually kind of got, got on my nerves, to be honest with you. That that actually kind of got on my nerves, the way they just kept going, bickering like little girls, man, going back and forth. You want me in the group? No, you want to be in the group. Like, like man, shut up, man. <laughs> shut up. But it was cool, man, just to see them in the ring together. And um, nonetheless, at the end of the day, we had a big debut here because Cody Rhodes came out to in interrupt these clowns in his eyes. You know, he, he actually botched a power slam that he was supposed to do on Jericho. He couldn't get him up or, up or I don't know what happened. He lost his balance, but it looked pretty bad for the moment. You know, that was actually a pretty terrible botch. But he, he did it. He did the spot. I mean, um, after he messed up, of course, he, he threw MJF out of the ring and then he, he redid, he re-executed it on Jericho, you know, this time executing it. And then um, Wardlow, Wardlow. This guy had Vinette's, you know, video packages of himself uh, hyping his debut for many months, many weeks at least. I know since one of the older pay-per-views AEW did um, at the beginning of the year. But Wardlow's been hyped, man. He, he finally came out and he whooped on Cody. He even choked Cody with his own tie, hanging him from the ring. You know, I gotta say, man, <clears throat> Cody Rhodes, he's, he's kind of looking like a bitch. Like, Cody Rhodes is getting his ass beat too much. He, he really is. I mean, at some point, Cody Rhodes has to start looking strong, man. Because he got his ass beat bad by Jericho already. You know, and then the stage messing his face up. And, you know, now he's getting he's getting beat up by some unknown dude, you know, who was pending a, a debut. And, I mean, you know, I respect Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks for trying to put over, you know, other talents but at some point they gotta look good at some point they gotta look stronger you know I, i'm just saying if i'm a booker i would start booking cody Rhodes to look a little stronger than what he is you know because to me he's kind of looking like a bitch right now <laughs> honestly if you ask me you know call me what you will that's how i think I, I i feel like cody Rhodes needs to start looking strong man um but nonetheless that was a big, big segment for AEW. Highly rated. So many people loved it. You know, I, 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 I'm not going to say I loved it, but it was really good just to see Jericho and MJF in the ring. Um, you know, some of their bits kind of got on my nerves. It kind of fell a little flat for me, but, you know, it was cool. It was cool, and we got a big debut out of it. But Cody Rhodes, man, I, I don't know what's happening. He's, he's looking very weak right now. Um, nonetheless, Pack versus Page. Now, none of these guys are looking weak right now because they put on easily the match of the night. Right here, ladies and gentlemen. Pack versus Page, the rubber match, the rematch, best match of the night. And I surmise to believe that this match surpassed their pay-per-view match. Now, check that out. A free TV match right here was better than a pay-per-view match. You'll never see that on WWE TV. I can, I can promise you that. You know, WWE, they do the same thing. They'll have, like, the same guys wrestle each other often every week. But the, every match is the same, like, verbatim, exactly the same. 
But Pack versus Page tonight, it was different, man. Um, you know, they both did a, a lot of high spots. I'm talking somersaults off the top turnbuckle to the outside of the ring. You know, um, uh, there was a spine buster to the apron, the hardest part of the ring. I believe it was uh, Page who did that move on Pack. Um, but ultimately, Pack would overcome the rubber match here. He won submission um, after landing his top rope finisher. I, I mean,. You know, I could continue to flap my gums about this match, but this is one you definitely have to see some at some point. Uh, easily the match of the night right here. Pack versus Page. I got up for these cats, man. Very good match. And then after a very good match, we go to a very good backstage brawl segment. I mean, I'm talking about Santana diving off of a forklift to knock out the Bucks and a bunch of a bunch of crew, a bunch of security staff. They fought on the stage. They went in the crowd. There was chairs. There was broomsticks being used. Um, you know, Matt even got some hang time being tossed over the barricade. You know, the security kept separating the teams, but then they would they would relinquish and, and they would continue brawling. You know, um, you know, PMP, they got the upper hand at some point. Proud and powerful, Santana and Ortiz. They, they spray-painted. I don't remember if it was Santana or Ortiz, but one of them spray-painted a circle on a, on a stage, basically symbolizing the inner circle, uh, I'm pretty sure. And they did that big uh, power bomb onto the stage, man. Um, the same thing they did to the Rock and Roll Express a few weeks back. You know, even Brandon Cutler got in some knuckle sandwiches. You know, he got his ass whooped. Private Party made a cameo appearance. I mean, this was pure insanity. And this is showing you. This is AEW showing you that their tag team division means business. I mean, business. 110%. Unlike other promotions who kind of, you know, leave tag teams as, as backburners, man. You know, kind of on the side, you know, side pieces. But nah, AEW, they really put a lot of stock in their tag team division. This was lit. This was insanity. And speaking of insanity, here we go. The tag team championship main event, Inner Circle, taking on SCU for the tag team championship. Now, this was really random to me like i why why I, I mean chris jericho is the world heavyweight champion of the world in aew why does he even fancy himself to want the tag titles that i don't get but nonetheless um the match kicked off with scu um they had a very fun entrance man i gotta say scu they kind of remind me of a modern day virgin version of the new age outlaws kind of you know um I don't know. They're very charismatic, though, and they had a fun entrance, man. It was a lot of fun. You know, they had fun as well. And, you know, of course, Inner Circle came out, man. Um, you know, Sammy Guevara, the Spanish God, um, and Jericho came out with Jake Hager in tow, man. And Jake Hager is a mountain. That dude, I can't wait to see him mix it up soon. Um, but nonetheless, um, yeah, you know, the match was, um, it was decent. It was decent, man. Um, you know, Jericho actually did uh, his cocky foot pin. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it's called, uh, but I love it. I love it. That It's that pinfall, that, that pin where he, he the guy is laying on the floor and Jericho puts his foot on the guy's chest and then he like flexes a la Macho Man or Hulk Hogan back in the day <laughs> and tells the referee to, to count. I love that. That's one of my all-time favorite things. I'm pretty sure Jericho invented that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I could be mistaken, but... 
Jericho is just a class act, man. All, all the stuff he's done, everything he's he's invented. I mean, the guy is is a uh, uh, he's he's something else. He's something else, man. But nonetheless, uh, Scorpio Sky, he really shined in this match, man. I mean, he really. He, I mean, Kazarian got in a little bit of offense, you know. Um, there was some shenanigans with Christopher Daniels on the outside, I believe too. I I could be mistaken, but I I believe Jake Jake Hager. Um, you know, assaulted Daniels on the outside. Um, I'm not sure, but 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 Scorpio Sky, this was his time to shine, and he did. You know, he put on a good match. Um, one one thing I want to mention is Jr. <laughs> Jr. actually slipped, and um, he referred to Jake Hager as Swagger during the match, which was kind of cringy, man, kind of cringeworthy there. But I mean, it happens. I mean, look at me. I, I still call John Moxley Dean Ambrose every, every so often. Y'all, y'all are probably gonna hear. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, future AEW Dynamite reviews and pay-per-views. You, you might end up hearing me call John Moxley Dean Ambrose on accident. That's just how I know him as. He looks like a Dean Ambrose to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He don't look like a John Moxley. He looks like a Dean Ambrose. I, I don't know. But nonetheless, um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, Scorpio Sky pinned the world heavyweight champion Chris Jericho the greatest of all time Chris Jericho now this ladies and gentlemen was the downfall of the show for me you know I mean I mean let, let me let me let me let me uh let me rephrase that not the downfall but this was the first major flaw of this show because if it wasn't for Scorpio Sky pinning Chris Jericho I would have gave this show a two thumbs up. It would have been flawless. It would have been perfect. Absolutely perfect. But because Scorpio Sky got a pin over Chris Jericho? Like that makes no sense at all. Sammy Guevara should have eaten the pin. Like I, look man. Look. I understand what AEW is trying to do. They're really, really trying their hardest to build up. You know, their other talents, their newer guys who are kind of lesser known in the business. I get it. I understand it. But Scorpio Sky, he has no business pinning Chris Jericho. Absolutely no business whatsoever pinning Chris Jericho. To me, that made no sense at all. And you know, you, you, could, you could think that I'm just kind of nerd raging because I'm a big Jericho mark. But it, it's not even about me being a fan of Jericho. It's, it's, it's about logic here. You're talking about the world heavyweight champion who's undefeated right now in his singles record on AEW. His singles career on AEW. He's undefeated. 7-0. A world heavyweight champion. Probably the biggest draw AEW has. And he eats a pin to Scorpio Sky? He gets beat by Scorpio Sky. Nah, man. Nah. That's got to get a thumbs down from me. I'm sorry. That that was that was a huge turnoff, man. Like I literally went after it happened. I I was like, "Nah, y'all y'all are kidding, right?" You know, I mean, I don't know. That that was the way the show ended as well with Chris Jericho pouting. <laughs> you know, Chris Jericho's golden, man. He he got a steel chair. And started whooping the post, you know, and looked like he's crying like a little baby boy, a brat who who ain't who ain't getting what he wants for Christmas. I mean, it was it was funny, but but man, Chris Jericho. Um, I mean, Scorpio Sky had no business pinning Chris Jericho, man. I'm sorry. 
You know, and, and this is not a knock on Scorpio Sky. I respect the guy. I respect SCU and, and, and them as a unit and individually. All of those guys, Daniels, Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, they actually have a lot of experience in this business. They've been around for a long time, especially Kazarian and Daniels. I mean, I remember them in ROH way back in the day. I even remember Frankie Kazarian. He, he was uh, called the wave of the future in WWE at some point, way back in the day. He was on Velocity all the time, you know, beating up on jobbers. But, um, you know, um, I, I like these guys a lot. But again, they, they have no business, None of neither of them either. Not just Scorpio Sky, but even if it was Daniels, uh, I would have said he has no business picking up the win over Jericho. Even if it was Kazarian, I would have said he has no business picking up the win against Jericho. Absolutely not. But with that being said, nonetheless, AEW Dynamite was a terrific show, man. From top to it's not a perfect show. AEW is not a perfect show. Dynamite, I should say. It's not a perfect show. It's got its flaws, man. It does. You know, but um, they're a work in progress still. You know, this is still a very brand new show. I, I mean, they've been, uh, they've been going on for a month now on weekly TV. But it, that's still very young. That's still very fresh. So, that's pretty much it, man. I just want to say thank you very much for tuning in to the Highlight Reel, y'all. I will attempt... To do a Smackdown review uh, tomorrow. I almost forgot what day it was. Damn, I'm tired. But yeah, I, I will attempt to do a Smackdown review for y'all tomorrow. Man, I am not I am not looking forward to that. Um, I also want to apologize for technical difficulties I have on this podcast. I'm not, you know, I'm a new I'm a noob, man. I'm a I'm a podcast newbie. This anchor app, I, I'm not you know 100% on how to use it still it cuts off a lot I know that it cuts off I listen to my own podcast I cringe at my own shit it just cut off right now see that it just cut off right now but yeah um you know I want to thank y'all for tuning in man I, I will try to get better I will try to you know do so with that said y'all I will be seeing you very soon I'm out you